Hi everybody, it's Madison Schill and I'm the founder of Sulapo. Today I'm really excited to be bringing back the Sulapo podcast during a time that I know can be very terrifying, very unknown for so many. Um, Something that I love to do when I feel this way is call a friend and I'm looking at this podcast as an extension of that and looping you into, you know, all of the amazing people in our network, in our community. And there is no better person than starting this off with than with uh, my friend and incredibly talented photographer and illustrator, Ted Belton. Ted and I have been friends for, I would say, about four years now. Um, His career is stunning. The work that he does is incredible and one of the most timeless, um, he's one of the most timeless creators that I have ever met. And so... I always find that a conversation or a long walk with him really gets rid of a lot of my jitters and maybe anxieties that I'm feeling. And so I'm hoping that as he also gives some insight into the creative world, he can do the same for all of you. So please enjoy and uh, see you on the other side. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ted. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. You have uh, a beverage with you, which really keeps in theme with the last time we talked because you had a falafel, I believe. Correct? Yeah, I did. And now I have water. (laughs) Wow, really amazing. Okay, so I'm currently coming to you through Zoom. Um, There's a ton of different wires sort of strewn around me, and I hope that the audio works for this. However, how are you feeling? We're living in a socially distant ecosystem right now. What is your reality like? How are you you doing? Reality. Um, I'm good today. Today's, Today's good. I went back to work on Monday of this week and it's Thursday, Thursday now. So, um, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I, I moved a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a double, um, up in the air situation where not only am I not at home, do you know what I mean? Like this isn't my home yet. Yeah. So nothing is where it should be. And then also I can't leave the house and then there's, like nothing is nothing is is familiar at all and when i look out the window like i don't know where i am i have no sense of my bearings because i'm in a new city and it's like very it's very twilight zone yeah Um, that's so true but i'm happy about it i'm happy that i'm here um you know life works in mysterious ways and i um things worked out okay and i'm in a comfortable position i'm very grateful that i'm uh I'm in a comfortable position to quarantine right now and I have actually a lot of work to keep me busy. So, um, I'm good. That's my reality right now. And, but yeah, I just sort of finally a couple days ago sat down to try and figure out how I'm going to hashtag work from home. Um, so I'm sort of doing what everybody else was doing three weeks ago in terms of living their normal life at home. So that's how I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, Again, it's one of those things where I think a lot of us had the expectation of 2020 to be this like big year for all of these things. And we were all thinking Mm -hmm. like, this is the year we're going to do this, this, this with this, this and this person. It's going to be great. And we really have to, I think, sit back and just go, okay, there's a chance that these things might not happen this year. Um, There's a chance that these places might not be places we're going to get to go to. And in yeah. our case, both moved to, we had big moves planned, I think. And so it's now going, okay, come to peace with this. What can you do from here? Um, and then like what, I don't know, I find it's a good time for reflection, but also I know that a lot of people have been 
really kind of overwhelmed by that notion. So do you I'm feel done like- with reflection? I don't want to reflect anymore. Seriously. Like I had, I think I was about three days ahead of everybody else, not to like brag or anything. What in terms of I, the, I became like terrified of this, like three days before the government, like became terrified of this. So yeah. for three days, I was like, guys, don't fucking go outside. <laughs> Sorry. No swearing. I was like, guys, don't go outside. <laughs> so basically from March, like 10th or 11th, I haven't left the house. And so I had several days of like psychotic nervous breakdown before the rest of the world had a psychotic nervous breakdown. And by the time everybody, by the time the news had caught up and everybody was like freaking out, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't handle this. And I totally checked out Mm -hmm. because I was actually having like a panic attack and um, yeah. So, but what about it? What about, okay. (laughs) Like, I can't, like, I'm, I can't, I'm, I need to, um, like, I, two years from now, I'll reflect on this. Okay, we'll come back then. That's good. That's true. Yeah, I just ruined the podcast because we were just going to reflect for, No, we hour. can reflect in varying degrees. I don't need to, like, go into your soul and rip it out one by one. But I do think, like, you have this way, and you're one of my only friends where if we don't talk for four months, it's not an issue. Like, I just, I'm like, yeah, it's ten. I mean, it's been that long, but it has been that long. I haven't seen you in so long. I don't know when I saw you last. I think it was, no, I saw you recently, before this. Yeah, I think but in, before that, I hadn't seen you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, that's, okay, so my point is completely good. I did yeah. see you recently. Yeah, and then I saw you in Paris in September, and I think that was genuinely the last time. And I probably won't actually see you again until September of this year. If we're both in Paris, which is, again, another or question anywhere. that I had. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just to, to be clear, so I, I don't know if anybody needs to know this, but um, I was going to move elsewhere before all of this happened, and then I ended up... Um, instead moving with my parents who were moving out of the city and I was like well fuck that I'm just gonna go stay with them um until this blows over and they I'm like terrified bringing anything into the house uh like bringing the virus into the house because I live with them and, and and I so I I'm I'm taking this very serious and I'm not going anywhere like I literally haven't left the house in a month and I'm not planning to until I feel perfectly safe doing so so um I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to see you again. Like, this is, it's over. And the sad thing is for people listening is that we now live in the same city. Uh, and it's a small city. I don't, I don't <laughs> so it's really just ironic. It's so ironic because I'll, I won't see you this whole time and we're five minutes away. I know, but you're the closest person to me of anybody. Yeah. Anybody I know, you're physically the closest person to me right I now. Know. I know. you're a few minutes away. Well, anyway. Anyway, that's fun. So I, I did want to think... I do want to ask you this question, too, because you're someone that I always consider. If anyone can integrate social distancing naturally into their life normally, it's you. Like, you seem to just be socially distant anyways. I don't know what you said this. You know what? You said this last time. Because you you uh, isolate. You uh, isolate uh, very well. You opened by saying that I was, like, <laughs> did like uh, distant and... Um, Mysterious, I think, is the word that you use. But yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I used to be very introverted, like very introverted. But I don't think I am anymore. In fact, in the past year, especially in the past six months, I've made a huge effort to be extra extroverted. And it's so funny because you, at the top of this year, I had decided I was going to have a quiet year because last year was so extroverted, and I met so many new people, and I did so much stuff. 
Um, and it was like dinner, like several times a week with friends. I was constantly organizing things. And then top of this year, I was just like, oh man, like my, my cup has runneth over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, so I was, I, you know, whether this happened or not, I was sort of looking forward to a quieter few months anyway, but, uh, it was, it was a very stark contrast. Um, the week before I went into isolation, I, you know, I had two or three dinners out with friends and we were talking about the future and the importance of community and collaboration and in-person contact. But that's been a big conversation for me for a few months now, sort of gauging everybody's thoughts about this, especially in Toronto, about the idea of community in our industry. And, uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a contrast, but for me personally, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the, um, with the isolation. Like I, uh, I wish I could go grocery shopping normally because I, I really like, I like going for walks and I like running errands. Like I love grocery shopping, like nothing else. It's my favorite thing to do. Especially in other cities. Day. It's so cool to yeah. see what people, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I hit the ground anywhere, the first thing I do is go grocery shopping and like see what kind of apples they have here and see what kind of honey I could buy and blah, blah. so try and find good peanut butter. Um, <laughs> were you with me? You were with me that time. <laughs> we couldn't find real peanut butter in Paris. And it was and eighteen euros it. for this decent peanut butter, and you were so angry, but it was so funny. Peanut yeah, it was. Um, great. Yeah. So so that part I missed, like just the going out and running errands, pretending to be a normal adult person. Um, but the other part of it, I I have a lot, I have a lot of work to catch up on, honestly, like a lot of retouching work and a lot of um, organizational work. And I was trying to put like my archive together. Like I've never backed anything up in the 10 years that I've been working. I do not have any digital backup of any of my photos. So I finally bought like a backup drive like about a month ago. And I was like, okay, here we go. Um, so I need to do that. Like, there's, I have a lot of stuff I need to do. So I'm happy to be in isolation. But I don't know. I feel very grateful that I have stuff to keep me busy. I mean, I don't have a lot of work to keep, like, you know, I yeah. have a lot of income. Yeah. But I have stuff to do. So I don't know. What are you doing? So I work for a company. And luckily, I work in digital. So, you know, I've just transitioned everything to be working for my being remote which is great and I personally really like it um but you know the hours have shifted uh what our business looks like has shifted and like many other agencies all over the world you know what we service our clients with has shifted and and that sort of thing and a big part of my you know goal for coming out of this whole crazy unprecedented experience is to come away from it having learned something or having grown in some sort of a way and so I've made the arrangement to work part-time and then spend two days learning so I'm taking a corporate contract like law course from Harvard and I'm learning how to build um, my website out properly and I'm figuring out how to use different audio techniques and systems and motion graphics and that sort of thing but also like I want to learn how to take one day off by the end of this I want to learn how to wake up and just not care about taking one day to just regenerate our cells so what I've been doing is taking is actually taking evenings off yeah as 5 p.m happens and part of it's because I'm like cooped up with my family and we're like yeah 
You're like together. we're forced to be present as a family no, for the first time. So yeah. I'm like 5 p.m. I'm like, guys, let's watch a movie. Let's have dinner together. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. How is that? Do you find it to be weird or nice? Have you zoomed out yet to think about what that would it feels like? Or yeah, it's good. It's you know we like I said we have a lot to keep us busy because they just moved. So there's lots to um, lots to lots of work to be done as yeah. a family. That's but, great. Uh, yeah, no, I've been trying to keep t- take things off and then like trying not to think about work or about anything stressful right. in the hours before bed. And then, you know, in the morning I wake up and I start my day again. And that's, that's a, that's a good kind of structure. I actually have a question too, because you're someone, I, I think a lot of people are really thinking and feeling a little nervous or a bit of anxiety surrounding the fact that during this un- unconfirmed duration of time they have to cram in so much self-growth quote-unquote like learning Mm. enrichment that sort of thing but you specifically I found of all of like our creative friends have done a really great job of sort of knowing that you have time and sort of milking it and Mm -hmm. growing sustainably throughout your career which is as a photographer which I haven't introduced you as I am a photographer. Yeah, but you seem to have had that ability to kind of look back and go, look, if I had have, if I had have made it 10 years ago or whatever, things wouldn't have felt the same and they wouldn't have been sustainable. But do you have any advice or what? can you reveal like your inner musings on how you've arrived at that and what you would say to people that are panicking about like coming out of this, trying to find like that mm-hmm. flash in the pan fame or that sort of thing? Uh, yeah interesting the yeah you're very right. that's really nice to hear you say that because it's it's something I'm very proud of actually is I think I've paced my career and my life pretty well like I'm very comfortable with the pace at which I excel even though I'm in a constant state of anxiety that I'm not doing enough yeah I'm also constant state of being aware that I am doing enough um and I'm always grateful when things do eventually happen I'm like okay I'm glad that didn't I'm glad I didn't jump on that five years ago, you know, when I, uh, you know, but, and yeah, that extends into right now. Like I'm not, um, like I said, I'm using this time to catch up on things. I'm not trying to use this time to get ahead of anybody or to like, you know, yeah, take advantage of the situation. This for me is a time to, uh, build my foundation and yeah, just to catch up. And I think, what do I think? I don't know. I don't think uh, it's a good time for everybody to to think about what they actually want to do every day when they wake up. Like this actually feels very similar on kind of a personal note. This feels very similar to when I moved to the UK, um, which I did in 2016 uh, with no friendly and no work set up or anything and so I did have a lot of time to just sit around and think and it ended up being seven months of just sitting around and thinking about like what I want to do with my life and I feel like this is the same thing and a lot of people are having that opportunity like that's one of those things where in many ways I can look at it as a mistake like moving there because it was a huge financial uh, investment that financially didn't necessarily pay off, but it gave me a huge amount of time to think and invest in myself. And I, so I would never um, have done anything differently. And uh, I think this is the same opportunity for a lot of people to, they're forced to sit and sort of do less 
you know, nobody has the luxury of doing nothing in this time because everybody has to live. Um, but we're forced to do less. So there's a lot of room to think. And I don't know. I, I'm very grateful that I've had, I've always made time um, for myself to consider what I'm doing and why. That's always been very important to me. And um, so I don't know. This is kind of just more of that. Um, what did you ask? No, that's great. No, any advice you would give someone, but I think you've really honestly mm-hmm. quite hit it. Yeah, There's... I would just think about like what, you know, that, that, like, what, like you said, not everybody has to, um, this isn't a time to get ahead of anybody or to take advantage of the situation. This is not a time to get a leg up on the rest of the world. Like this is a time for you to figure out what, when you have nothing else, when you don't have to go out and please anybody else every day, when you're left with just yourself, what are the core components of your life that you need to just be happy waking up every day? And that's a tall order. Like that's not a, that's not an easy thing to figure out. So if you have four months at home, like that's, you know, it will probably take you four months to even scratch the surface of what that means for you. So that would be my advice. Thank you, Ted. Very abstract advice, but there you are. No, I I really appreciate it. I think that's lovely. And I think personally I'm going to replay that a lot over and over in my head for however long this situation lasts for. But I do feel, and also because we're in our 20s and in that sort of like springboard phase of our life where like we can fuck up or can take a break or can go the total opposite wrong direction and then come back and figure things out. You know, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, you've reached the precipice. Yeah, because you're, you're, you are, quote, in your 20s. I am in my late 20s. Yeah, I know. Different. But I, I don't know. I feel 12 days old and I also feel like 97 and, uh, but more so 12 days old, but also just like really over it at the same time <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna be 60 tomorrow like yeah yeah i know you really are was, yeah yeah it's because last year was so busy i was like oh my god there's so much to do like there's so much left to do like when i saw how much i could cram into one year mm. i was like oh my god i could be doing this but is that sustainable year. like what are your thoughts on the kinds of people that just pump out content that the kinds of creatives or artists or photographers that do you choose to do what you did last year, which was shoot constantly, go everywhere, do everything, right? Yeah. What, what I, mean, I think some people are better um, adapted to do that. Yeah. Um, I sometimes am, sometimes I'm not. Like, um, I think if it's healthy and if you're happy to do things that way, that's great. Um, but it's also important to understand for those of us who are not um, sort of naturally predisposed to that, way of being um you know not everybody has to be that way and you don't have to compete with people who have that sort of adrenaline drive you know like some people not only not only that some people have the drive and the means yeah to go stop you know like i sometimes have the drive and i sometimes have the means meaning that i sometimes feel very ambitious and i sometimes have the disposable income to go and do things yeah um but the other half of the time I don't. So uh, I try to think, okay, well, when I don't have those opportunities, um, then I have, then I have, it's time for me to work on a different set of skills or a different, um, yeah, to sort of practice different things. 
uh, just sort of switch gears. But um, yeah, that's something I've practiced and I'm able to do that now. You know, like when life tells me that this is um, a practice time rather than a, no, that's not the right way of saying that. So, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about the mode I'm in right now and they, they, they are an athlete and they were like, oh, you're training right now. Mm. Was it, it wasn't you who said this, was it? No, I don't think I can't so. remember. Somebody else said this to me. They were like, it sounds to me like you're training, like you're taking time off from performing and you're, you're learning and you're training. And, um, yeah, I you're think in that's training camp. To have, yeah. to have both of those times, you know, where you're, you're learning and you're training and then you have moments of high performance and, um, expense of, of energy and time and money and stuff. So I don't, again, I don't remember what you asked, but uh, that is, the I don't answer. either. I, I, I mean, even too, like I was thinking about, as you were talking, the moments that I've had that I run on adrenaline and it's pure like exhilaration and you're able to just get up and go and stay going for so long are those moments where you sort of know that they're happening and you know that you're going to be going full stop for a predetermined period of time. Um, and they're sort of like the fashion week, fashion month sort of chunks yeah. that I find like you go into it like ready to go. You know that you're going to be around people that are also buzzing at that same frequency and uh, you're traveling as well, so everything is fresh. You don't get bored visually. Um, you're always with different people, different teams, that sort of thing. And it also begs the question, um, in September, like, how is this going to change fashion weeks, in your opinion? What do you think is going to be different about our industry because of this experience? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, that, I've had that conversation with several people, and uh, I'm bored of it, so we're not talking about it. Okay, great. I could I'm see you really saying that. Um, no, no, I, I, I think that I, um, I don't know, and I'm trying not to make any predictions because I, I, I don't know if it's helpful to make predictions because again, I, I think that tendency to try and predict things comes from that tendency to try and get a leg up on everybody. Like, Oh, if I just figure out what the next thing is going to be, how this is all going to work, I'll be able to make profit out of it. Yeah. And I'm just not in that headspace right now. So yeah. I mean, kudos to anybody else who's figuring out how, like I'm not in a position where I don't need, well, I guess I do in a sort of trickle down sort of way, but I don't personally need fashion week to happen to make, to make my living. Yeah. Um, though I have, you know, it's been part of my living in the past few years. Um, I don't need it. So uh, kudos to people who are figuring those problems out. But um, from just a speculative, like third party sort of perspective, I don't really know. Um, I know a lot of the, the general sort of consensus that I've gathered is that people seem to think that the shows will be much more private affairs. Like if they do do in-person showings, it'll go back to basically what it was when it was just buyers yeah. and the people who actually need to be there. And it would be more of like a showroom preview sort of thing, yeah. which I think is interesting. And it would yeah. be an interesting reset for the media. And it would actually create a lot of intrigue and, um, yeah, a purpose for magazines to exist again if they have access to those things that the public doesn't or that bloggers don't or who, or if it is bloggers or what do we, what do we call them now? Influencers. Like if yeah. there's certain people have access that other people don't, that would actually reset the media side uh, of the industry in an interesting way. Um, so I'd be, I'd be happy to see that happen because I do feel exposed. Like, um, you know, like when we do go to Paris, like, or where, 
wherever. Um, by the time you leave, you don't care about what you saw. Like by the, by the next day, you don't care what show you saw. You want to be excited about coming back with something to share with everybody. Like this is what I saw. This is my perspective. These are the pictures. This is the mood, whatever. And, uh, and I don't think that that's really relevant when the whole world sees everything immediately like yeah. it's always, like it's like who cares so yeah. I don't know but the general part. so if, if if it kind of resets things in that way that would be um an, an interesting new it would be fun but I don't know if that's I don't know part of me thinks that people are going to spring back so far that's the thing too there. it's because our the industry that I work in is a lot of it is consumer facing with really big companies and if they do change it's going to be a huge shift to turn and yes you were able to turn all of our living habits around so quickly because we had no other choice. You know, these huge corporate companies that have never worked from home ever or ever issued a mandate like that are now figuring it out and making it work. And that I find is really interesting, Um, especially when you think about things like climate change and how we always say that it's so hard to change our behaviors, but yet for this, we've done it so quickly and so efficiently also, I would say, in in some cases. do, do you do you actually you've said it a couple times now do you actually think things will be more or less functional by september like do you think we're even going to be in a position to say like i i i don't i'm not looking forward to traveling to europe yeah. in september like i don't think i'm going to be able to do that so my plan that i guess i when I, my plan was to move there for september i guess i can i haven't yeah. really told anyone publicly but like whatever this is my yeah. yeah I don't think anyone cares but anyway um and so I had set that all sort of up in my head as a plan to action and to announce to people and put all those things in order um and now you know first of all the borders are closed second of all all of the visa application process has been halted so they're not accepting anything further mm-hmm. knowing that big events like the ones that you know I've been working on that have all been pushed to September. Those are like the big dates. Um, All require people coming in from all over the world, especially countries that are really, really deeply affected by this virus right now. And ours as well as one of them. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it will look the same. And if it doesn't look the same and if it doesn't have as much global involvement as it would have, I would ask the question also is like, what is the point of having these big events? Why not just have them? as conferences mm. online and that sort of thing. But it would be so exciting if it looked completely different though. I I I want like I my biggest thing and a reason why I took 2 days to focus sort of a bit inward and why I've also deleted my personal Instagram is uh, you yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I just I just don't want to come out of this experience not having been changed or shifted or woken up in some way. That's really important to me because I think you probably know this too because we're friends, but every time we meet up, you'll probably hear me talk about one thing over and over and over again and sort of like chewing on it to mm. figure out if it's something that I should be acting on. And I think for many people, we all have that one thing and this can be that time where you are not only chewing on it, but figuring out, is this for you? Is this coming from some other voice? Or, you know, how can you, how can you grow a bit? How can you grow, grow up and step up and be, come out of this a f- more fully realized version of yourself, I think? Not a better version or whatever, yeah. but if you have the I've luxury. I've set my standards a little lower. I just don't want to dip into some sort of, like, crippling depression. I don't want to be a better person. 
<laughs> I just want to be like the same. Yeah, you want to sustain yourself, which is fair, truly. Yeah, but but at the same time, I'm perfectly happy to indulge in um, in many ways and uh, let certain standards of living um, relax a little bit. Totally. Um, really I, just talking about chocolate and eating a lot of chocolate. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I just remembered this like 10 minutes before we went on. I got in the middle of the night, I woke up and I went on Instagram and somebody posted like in their story about some like bougie chocolate. And I immediately, without hesitation, like clicked the link and ordered like $50 worth of bougie chocolate. <laughs> Completely uh, forgot, checked my email like an hour ago and <laughs> saw a receipt. And I was like, oh. <laughs> That shows what my like, you know, yeah. primal responses right now. It's like, ooh, when I'm in danger, I, I like I chocolate. chocolate. No, yeah. that's great. No, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're taking care of yourself. I think you really do work really hard, and I think one of the things is with the photographers is you just assume that they're on set taking photos, and then you leave, and the photos arrive. But the process <laughs> after people leave the set is so mm-hmm. intricate. And truly specific to every photographer I've ever met looks different for everyone too, right? Yeah, I think there, um, I've learned in speaking to a lot of photographers that I do approach post-production in a slightly different way and I'm very involved Mm -hmm. and I like to draw the post-process out a lot because for me that's where a lot of the decisions are made, um, which some people turn their nose up at, but um, it's just how I've always worked. So now, like I have one job that I shot before this happened that just so happened to have a huge volume of images and it's beauty. So there's a lot of post-production involved involved anyway. Um, And we ended up sort of deciding on a lot of pictures. And I was, I had a meeting with a zoom meeting with them, you with the client yesterday. And I said, you know, I'm really actually grateful that we have the time to work through this properly because what always happens with jobs like that is you, you know, you get them, you want to give them your full attention and, but then, but then you have to earn a living and, or, you know, if you're traveling or you're doing other shoots, you have expenses either way. So you have to do other jobs. And while you're in post-production for the last thing, you know, you're really distracted. And so now I have nothing. I'm not shooting anything for the foreseeable future. So I'm actually able to give the proper attention to the post-production of this project that I care about a lot. And that's, uh, I, you know, it's a strange sort of gift. Um, and I'm, I, I said to the client, I was really grateful and looking forward to having that back and forth that you sort of think you're going to have when you start off in a really exciting creative project. You're like, oh, we have this great team together. Everybody yeah. has something to offer. Yeah. But by the time you get to post-production, very often, you're just like, get it done, get it done, get it done. Right. Yeah. And you know, you're up against deadlines and nobody has time to you don't have time to accommodate everybody's expertise. You mm-hmm. have time to, you know, you goes in one year and out the other, and then you just have to get the job done. So I'm really happy now to be able to take in everybody's expertise and take notes from everybody and, and look at the project as a whole rather than my, just my contribution and to do things properly. So in a funny way, it's that sort of, it is satisfying that interest that I expressed in community, right, or in collaboration. Um, and in, so in a strange way, having less to do has given me more time to really lean into the collaborations that I am engaged with and uh, to maybe, you know, finish those to a greater extent. So 
I'm quite great. happy about that. I love that. Uh, I love yeah, that. who knows what I'll do when that project is done, though. <laughs> no, but everyone is in the same situation of questioning what what is next. Like, I that's know. The what thing. are people doing who don't have, like, who don't have a bunch of post work to do? I know, or or you know, the thing that, yeah, everything has cha- has changed, and I don't believe any industry will come out of this the same. And what fascinates me and scares me and in a way sort of excites me because I can hopefully help in some case improve the situation is how and why. Like in what aspect will fashion be different? In what aspect will, um, you know, a social media role be different? In what aspect will a photographer's life be different? You know, like in what aspect mm. will an influencer have shifted? Like the what does that mean? I feel like this pandemic in a, in a sense really, really shifted people's willingness to absorb specific kinds of content um so i'm curious to know if we will maintain that or if the behavior will kind of like bounce back to what it was that's an interesting point about our tendencies to you know in in terms of um absorbing content and our appetite for different types of content yeah Um, that's been a conversation that I have dipped into a little bit uh, with some clients and just some acquaintances specifically with regard to magazines and what role they're going to play moving forward and just these sort of publishing platforms and how that content is going to manifest itself. Um, It's very interesting. I do wonder, you know, in two months time, like in June and July, what are people going to be publishing because they're going to have run out of, the things that they shot and prepared earlier. And um, I would be very sad if all of the content that we're reading and looking at over the next five months is just a reaction to this pandemic. Right. Like I don't want to read about, like I still want to read, I still want to look at Vogue and read, uh, you know, fantastical stories about things that are happening other places and, you know, good things that maybe don't exist i know it's no it's true but at the same time i think everything is viewed right now through the lens of this crisis and can i ask you a serious question do you i wonder i've been wondering if if you know if it's an honest response or if it's kind of a contrived response like i don't know if every publication and every buddy needs to be um, a voice and reaction to, to that in that sort of serious sort of way. Totally. Like, I, I don't know. It's been interesting to see how different magazines have reacted. Yeah. Uh, some taking on more socially responsible tones than others. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, no, I, do you, I don't know if everybody has to address the issues at hand. Like, Vogatelli, I think, made a really clear statement where they were just like, we can't do anything else. Like, it's just hit their country so hard that yeah. they they probably aren't even thinking and they can't even probably afford to think through that fantastical lens right now just because I... Well, did, you see, did you see the, the interior content that they published today? They It looks like what they did is sent clothes to contributors, like mailed them to them or something, like photographers and models and had them take their own pictures with the clothes, which I think is actually really cool Yeah, because it's still yeah. like, uh, they have advertisers they need to 
you know, that's the structure of the business. Mm -hmm. And so they're satisfying that need. And then they're also engaging these sort of personal perspectives, everybody. And I was a little doubtful when I saw that blank cover that they published. I was like, I don't know. Like it's kind of gimmicky, but, um, I like this idea of like, I want to see what, um, these individuals would do. I think that's a very creative way of responding to the challenge. And it's not too, like my, you know, like the word, the thing I really don't want to see is people making like stories or things about the themes of isolation. Like we all know what that feels like. I don't know if we need this kind of poetic response from people. I kind of want to see a very pragmatic response to how people can still satisfy the requirements of their clients and their advertisers and creative, you know, satisfy creative briefs within these constraints. I find that more interesting than like speaking to the psychology of the nation, you know? Yeah, no, I think people are really, um, on a thin line at this point too. And, you know, thinking about all of these consumers with children who are now sort of their own, t- they're like in charge of childcare. They're in charge of all of these things, making sure they're in school th- like at home and also leading their own careers. And in, in most cases, leading their own teams and managing them. And, you know, we're both lucky. We don't have kids. We don't have no. romantic relationships to sustain. We don't have anything to worry about other than our own well-being. And when you kind of, bloat that out a bit and think about all of the things that we could have to deal with before fashion even comes into the picture. Uh, you understand. I do have to say, I actually do feel quite a responsibility to my family because I am staying with them. Yeah. Both my parents are, you know, they're not ancient, but they're, you know, older. Yeah. And, um, I actually do. That actually is my first priority, frankly, is taking care of my family. And, uh, which is why I'm taking things so seriously, um, in isolation. But yeah, I can't even believe the, the people who I think about most when I'm concerned um, is the people that I know who have young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, I mean, what what the fuck do you do with a kid all day for every day? <laughs> like, you know, and they don't know what's going on. Not really, you know. So, one of, I heard maybe, one of my right? coworkers um, or one of my colleagues' daughters asked her uh if they if when she was little she had to stay inside for covid's one to 18 Mm, and uh, it's like no this isn't normal no one my 92 year old grandma also has never experienced anything like this before and that was crazy to hear too because you know um but i think it's just crazy and, and knowing that the creative process for you is so much about you know, the tactile sensations and being on set with teams and creating a sense of world and ambiance and that sort of thing through collaboration in person. Mm. How, if this is to go on until December or September, as some people in government are like sort of putting out there, mm-hmm. what, what will your process look like or what will your work do you think look like? Yeah, so to be honest, I am not thinking about it at all. Yeah, I'm I not get it. looking That's forward to getting back on set. I'm not I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to work. I'm very open to responding to the need as it arises. You know, like frankly speaking, if there is no need for photos to be done of ladies in dresses 
I'm not, I, it really doesn't interest me to, to, to shove myself into, you know, whatever, like uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens and responding in the way that I can, Yeah. you know, and I'm open to the idea and I'm very grateful that I'm in a position that I have a little bit of flexibility to be that, you know, aloof about it. Um, but I, and you know, like I'm like, I'll be broke by the time that happens. So maybe my tone will change, but I don't know. I'm really not thinking about it. I'm not, I'm not excited to go back to being on set. Like I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just sort of in a, um, no, but right now I would agree with you. I think I, we're both very chameleonic personalities and we do tend to adapt to the world around us and so right now this is the reality and this is what we must do and so the notion of thinking that we would do anything else at any slice of time doesn't make sense because it's not it's not what is required of us Mm. Um, and this is our reality and it's hard to imagine life two months ago you know where we were able to go out and touch things yeah I have to say, though, if one thing does come out of this, you know, like if I have to think about how things will change, I would love if this means that crews will get smaller, sets will get smaller. I was going to ask. will yeah. be there in their nose. And like, what is your been, what is your idea? What is your ideal creative team? What oh, people who need to be there. The so people what who is are that? contributing, which sounds really, you know, um, simple but um if if 20 people need to be there then that's great but usually only four or five people need to be there if not two yeah you know yeah like when i do a portrait for example there are only it's only me and the person who need to be there me and the sitter nobody else needs to be there your best Um, shoot ever your favorite shoot most magical shoot how big was the team I can think of, you know, the, the five that just popped into my head are all just me and the person usually in that person's home. Yeah. That, that, that is, it's such a pure interaction. Um, but again, that's different. Like I recognize that the other half of my job is uh, taking pictures of clothes on people. And, you know, so then maybe, you know, four people need to be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but everybody, but, but what I said was really what I meant. Like everybody who needs to be there, the people who really have something to offer, who wants to be there. Like I was on a set recently. There were so many people there. And I could tell that some of them were just there because, and this has happened a few times, people just show up because it's like set tourism. And they're like, they've yeah. either never been on set before or they're trying to find a way to be a part of this thing. And, you know, they don't realize that they're really getting in the way of everybody's focus. And so if any, you know, when, when shoots do start to happen again in these sort of small ways, when people, you know, tiptoe out of their houses and back into a studio, the, the way it, it, I guess it must manifest it at first is that um, in very small ways, people will be like, okay, are we, how many people are we allowed to have? Like, how many people is it safe to have? Is it one? Is it two? You know, I guess we can't have, you know, nine models and, you know, makeup artists can't have two assistants and photographers can't have two assistants. And, we, you know, so it's like, how many people are we allowed to have? Right. And then you start to learn a more intimate way of doing things. And maybe that will be, um, the takeaway but who knows how long that'll last i hope that that's 
I hope because because I don't envision you know things are not going to go back to normal overnight. You know, it'll be several months of slow transition, especially because a lot of people I don't think are going to feel particularly safe, whether in regards to what the government says or yeah. whether, you know, whether things open or not. Like, I don't think a lot of people are going to feel safe going. You know, you're going to, you're going to want to know what the sanitary practices of the studios are that you're going to. Well, I've I've been working with a couple clients who work in the in the healthcare space in in the U.S., but they serve North America. And mm-hmm. a few of those doctors have told me that they don't foresee it changing uh, for 18 months, which is which is yeah. consistent with not, with SARS and that sort of thing as well, and H1N1. But we didn't notice it as much because it wasn't in the real world, quote unquote, as clearly but it was in the hospitals um and even some people have been saying uh, let me just try to think i'm trying to find my thought again oh a lot of people were comparing it to the the flu in 1917 1918 um Mm -hmm. and what happened then was this pandemic it really kind of gently sparked in spring and it killed some people, kind of raised everyone's consciousness and awareness to it. It died off in the summer because a virus generally doesn't like the heat. And then it came back aggressively in the fall when people mm. didn't think it was going to come back. And it, that's when it killed like a third of the world's population, I think. And so that is well, what is in my head. That's what's in my head. That's what's nervous, nerve-wracking to me. Well, I have, like I said, I have, I'm not looking forward to anything. I don't think we have the luxury of looking forward to things being back to normal. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, in a few weeks when um, I'm done working on everything that I'm working on and I am forced to start thinking about um, the future, I mean, you know, I'd be, you know... Uh, that size is everyone's feeling right now no one knows like nobody knows and I think maybe we just need to sit in the reality of that and no matter how much data we have and how much money you can throw at it and how much speculation you can have on a loop on CNN like you we don't know we just don't know yeah who knows I mean I'd like to think that uh I'm lucky that I have sort of a second skill set um in illustration which is something that I can do remotely and um you know I'd happily lean into that more if there's a need for it but in a way I'm also not even assuming that there will be a need for it you know like I'm anticipating that you know it's possible that things will change so much that there won't even be a need for that. What will visual be, like, what will that be replaced with then, do you feel? Well, I guess what I'm saying is if there are, if magazines start going out of business, um, there will be no need for any type of content. You know, so I'm I'm not being grim about it. but but, yeah, but the thing is, the thing is people will be inside and will want to consume something. It's funny, I I have never been so tempted to subscribe to a paper magazine as I have been this week because I never read anything online magazine-wise. I always buy the actual magazine and I can't go out and buy them now. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I I think the magazines that are able to sort of rise to the occasion and find creative ways of satisfying people's interests will will actually hopefully do very well. I just wonder if, um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. In a way it could actually exacerbate the, um, this whole problem we've been dealing with in terms of quantity over quality even more because people have, are just sitting around 
just scrolling through things, right? So um, I'd like to believe that the positive outcome of this moment will be that things will be more considered and, you know, well, but they probably won't. It'll probably be, God, we need even more. We need, we need 10 times as much content because people are spending 10 times as much time looking at their phones and their laptops. Well, yeah, you think of Netflix and they've diminished their screen quality so that they can pump out more. Have they? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And you think, you know, how can you satisfy this endless demand? Like we will watch an entire episode or an entire season of a show that takes years to produce in two days yeah. and then we're done and then you don't think about it anymore. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's that's a, you have a real point with that. Um, but we'll come back and keep keeping ourselves entertained by pontificating on what will happen next. But I really like your advice to just stay in the moment and take it as it comes. That's great. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. It's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't know. My tone might change in a few weeks, but oh, in a very just reductive comment, I would, I would actually very much like to see um, a return of highly considered and well-written content yeah. and beautiful illustrations if that's, I think, I, I really hope that happens. Yeah. I would love to see illustrators be given some serious work again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's my favorite of the future. <laughs> Words and drawings. Thank you, Ted. I'm going to leave it here. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Sulepo podcast. <laughs>